For today's episode, I have an exciting discussion with a new friend of the show, John Brooks from the Hard to Believe podcast. We had a fantastic discussion talking about the rise of messianic cults and messianic ideology in modern society. Of course, it's a long-standing tradition of messianic cults going back thousands and thousands of years, but this is something that we're seeing more and more in the mainstream, in, in modern society. So we talk about a little bit of the history of messianic cults, what the meaning of the Messiah is, and how this is a resurgent movement in modern culture. Do you get value out of listening to the show? If so, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash mind, where you can join some amazing people who help make the show possible, including David, Dick, DJ, Isaac, James, Jason, Matthew, Michael, Mike and Maurice, and Sandy. If you sign up for the Patreon, you get early access to all the episodes, you get bonus content, you get access to the Living Mindfulness course, in which we learn how to be mindful, and tons more stuff. So check out the Patreon, support the show, you can get there for as little as $1 a month. Patreon.com slash The Alchemical Mind. Welcome to The Alchemical Mind. And joining me on the show today is John Brooks from the Hard to Believe podcast. John, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. I've been uh, checking your show out. I really appreciate the way you you tackle topics. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and about your show? Uh, sure. Um, well, where to start? <laughs> uh, I'm a, a religion teacher. Uh, I teach high school uh, religious studies courses. Uh, and my show is called Hard to Believe, as you said. Um, and the, the idea behind the show really is... Um, I, I kind of just want to explore the the realm of human belief. Um, a lot of it is about religion, but you know, in in a very kind of broad sense. Um, so you know, I, I like to, I really like to sort of take apart what people believe and why um, to to dispel myths and also to cast light onto things that maybe um, are either misunderstood or poorly understood in our culture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm obsessed with, uh, the way that people believe things and, and I, I always want to explore that. So, um, yeah, we just finished our first season. Uh, so we're going to be starting again in the spring. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah. I've been enjoying it. And, uh, you know, you do have topics that are kind of not, I mean, I guess maybe tangentially related to to religion and philosophy, right. like the episode you did on Lovecraft, I really enjoyed, uh, <laughs> because I'm I'm a huge Lovecraft fan, you know, and yeah, and yeah. for me for me there is a lot of crossover between Lovecraft and in particular like turn of the century horror and yeah. uh, and a lot of the the mystical beliefs that that arise at the time, so it's very good. Yeah, I mean, well, any any. Any culture's mythical storytelling, right, has a has a religious underpinning to it, and and anybody who loves Lovecraft is also going to be interested in philosophy and religion. Like that's not a yeah. coincidence. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. You're not going to find someone who like loves Lovecraft and is also just like super into fantasy football. You know what I mean? Like it's not. I'm sure there will be that person, but the, that won't be their like primary uh, fields of interest. You know what I mean? So so there is. I, I do like to find those things that. Um, that I know people who are sort of interested in the in the religious sphere um, are also going to be, you know, kind of jiving with. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And, uh, you know, I, I've kind of been trying to go in, in that direction on my show recently, uh, trying to kind of pin down, like, sort of what the, the ultimate nugget of a, a belief system is. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think people oftentimes tend to get bogged down by, you know, words like enlightenment or... Uh, you know, to spiritual realm or heaven and things like that. And and they forget that sometimes these are really allegories of things that we can experience on a day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm curious about your, your teaching gig. Yeah. Be because, yeah. Uh, you know, you're so you teach high school, you teach religion. And, yeah. and the weird thing is that when, when I realized that, I wanted to ask you because my – original spiritual journey began after taking a high school religion course oh very cool yeah so uh i, I know you've talked about this on your show but there's yeah. there's something about the fact of of growing up in kind of a a religious household and my you know my dad was a minister and stuff 
and and getting to a place in your life where you kind of want to sort of reinvent who you are so you kind of go away from the way that you were raised in order to create your own identity mm-hmm. and and i'm curious if you ever experienced that with your students um it's hard to say because you know i've been teaching in a classroom setting for 10 years and um i certainly like there, there's a real sort of wide range of students where i teach uh in terms of those who are very kind of set in their uh sort of family catholic tradition or whatever um or those who are just like very cynical and atheistic mm. um i also teach you know students from a variety of countries and and um different so i have a lot of like chinese and vietnamese students as well um, and so they, they're coming from their own sort of perspective. There, there's something about like the, the, the fact that within the classroom with all these sort of diverse backgrounds of, of religion, it takes a little bit of the um, intimidation factor off uh, yeah. as far as they go. I can see that. Um, and, you know, I, have, I definitely have heard from a couple of students that I've had in the past who, not that they went on to like study religion or whatever, but um, <laughs> who, who, do, who do cite a specific class they took with me or whatever as, as being, um, you know, really uh, informative to the way that they went to think about their own, their own career um, and, and so on. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've certainly toyed with the idea of um, being a college professor um, somewhere and, and, and I just don't think that I want to because I really do I, I I'm on the same page as you my my sort of entry into this world was also in high school I had a uh, a world religions class that I took where I was introduced to Houston Smith and you know that sort of thing and and Joseph Campbell and and yeah. um, and it, it kind of all sort of <laughs> kind of barreled from there and so I kind of knowing that that was so um, formative for me, I, 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 I feel a real passion about like giving that opportunity to, you know, at least one or two of the students that I have every year, you know, who are going to sort of catch on to this stuff and be like, oh, this is more interesting than I thought it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, the thing for me was there were there were a couple of things kind of, I guess, synchronicities, if you want to call them. But uh, the the religion teacher is a world religion class. And the teacher that I had was, uh, he was amazing. And I'd had him previously as a, a counselor in, in school. Mm-hmm. And so I was familiar with him. And, uh, you know, he was kind of one of these, like, old school hippies, but kind of like born 10 years too late. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. and very yeah. much looked like Alan Watts, like in his later years, right? <laughs> uh, so, did, so, did, so did my teacher. That's really, really? interesting. You don't look yeah, like yeah. Alan Watts, do you? I don't know. I don't look look like anything like Alan Watts, but um, yeah, my my teacher in high school also had kind of an Alan Watts vibe to him. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Maybe it's uh, Uh, something of an era, but but he was. It's it's gotta be. Yeah. He he was very uh, he was very friendly and personable, and uh, you know, kind of a a rebel in some some terms. I remember (laughs) we uh, we had his religion class actually the the period before lunch, and. We were so cool with this guy that one day he asked us to go buy cigarettes for him because he couldn't leave school. <laughs> so and we would leave to go to lunch. And so we'd left and got him cigarettes and came back and he like gave us a few <laughs> as payment. <laughs> but uh, but e- even through all that, like he he was really influential for me. You know what I mean? And yeah. and again, not because he looked like Alan Watts, even though, you know, over the years I've come to to know and love Alan Watts quite a bit. But just uh, the fact that he was so friendly and personable, and and in my own personal experience, it was kind of one of these things where you either have to believe this way, or you know, there's some repercussions at the end, right? Like, you know, if you don't believe, you go to hell, kind of thing. And and maybe not in those strong words, uh, but but you kind of got that feeling, right? And yeah. and I think that's that's often the case for, I mean, particularly in the West, a lot of people that grow up in in Christian households that kind of want to see if there could be something else out there. Yeah. I, I also, I, I have to say that, the, you know, even with um, some of the more kind of uh, kind of culturally quasi-centrist, like Catholic students that I have who are, you know, are really in it for the, you know, the, the, the peace and love and charity and all yeah. that, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, even when it's not 
the kind of, uh, you know, sort of fear-based um, element that you sometimes see with, you know, fundamentalist Christians and that sort of thing. Um, I, I do think one of the things they, they do still assume is there's kind of a binary, like you have to believe everything or nothing. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's also one of the things that, you know, over, over my, my growth when I, when I studied religion, when I was majored in, in college, um, and, and the years after that, that I really started to see, um, you know, that the, the nuance there, it's really not an all or nothing thing. And, and that sure. all or nothing thinking um, is one of the real obstacles, I think, to, uh, to studying and appreciating um, various insights that you get from religion. Um, and and I, I, it's, it's nice to offer them that as well, right? Like, right, right. one of the things I, I really try to do is not to um, to, to, to lay it out, right? <laughs> like as, as, as fact to, to, to not talk about, for instance, the Bible is like this thing that fell out of the sky and every word of it's true. Uh, but to talk about the, uh, the humanity of it and, and the perspective of the people who are writing it, um, and why they were writing it and what they have to say and why that's still applicable. And, and to realize that like, even if you, sort of, um, you know, pivot your view a little bit, you, you don't have to throw everything out just because you think, right, if I don't, if I, if I don't believe all of this uh, in this capacity, then it's just all, right. all worthless <laughs> and I'm going to hell, right? There's, there's, there's a lot of middle ground there, as, yeah. as you know. Yeah, and that's, that's actually one reason I enjoyed your show, the, the episodes that I listened to so far, is that you, you kind of take that approach with the discussion as well, right? Mm. Because uh, I often see in, in a lot of similar type of, of podcasts uh, dealing with spirituality and religion and belief systems is that you you can go too far in either direction, right? So you can make it like extremely cut and dry, like these are the facts, and and that's <laughs> fine, right? Kind of uh, something yeah. you know, like like hardcore history, but for religion, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you can go. I don't have the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he does either, because he does like two episodes a year. Yeah, uh, but that, uh, yeah. but then you can go in the, the total opposite direction, right? Where where everything's magic and angels talk to you all the time, or you know, right. some kind of entity or whatever. And right. and I think it's it can be tough to tow uh, some kind of balance because a lot of times when when people are looking actively looking for this kind of information, they already have some sort of uh, preconceived set of beliefs that they're trying to have reinforced. And so they tend to kind of attach themselves to people that reinforce those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, I, I try to do that with my show. And like, like I said, you do that with yours. Uh, kind of finding that middle ground, uh, I think sometimes can lead to, uh, you know, maybe some people kind of getting, I, I don't want to say angry or upset, but, but you know, like they listen because they're like, oh, I really like what he's saying here. And then you get to the next topic and you're kind of saying something that, counteracts what they felt you believed in the first time around right right and right. uh yeah. and so you have to be very careful when you tell those lines yeah that's true yeah and i mean as a teacher you especially have to be careful right uh yeah. you can get in trouble professionally for doing such a thing yeah um and i haven't so far uh <laughs> which is which is good and and it's it's it can be hard uh it's a very touchy subject there's also a lot of um it being a touchy subject, a lot of deference to it, which is which is really interesting. Um, you know, whereas if you're a history teacher and you say something that is uh, deemed objectionable or whatever, or um, you know, offensive, and um, yeah, I'm sure that happens. That sure. there's parents are more likely to complain about it than yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, but for some reason, like if you're teaching religion, there's this, this sense that like, I have no idea if he's right or wrong because nobody knows anything about this topic. So right. um, I'm, I'm going to hold off. So it's an intro. I've, I've discovered a lot about, again, the way that even people who are very religious, like um, think about their own <laughs> relationship to religion Um just by the things that like have and have not happened um, as, as being a teacher in that field. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm always a, a sponge for, for cultural information. So that's oh, for sure. an interesting, an interesting insight uh, that I, <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting to have. Well, and I mean, you know, psychologically, it kind of makes you a better person just by the simple fact that you become more tolerant by being yeah. more knowledgeable of other cultures, right? Oh, absolutely. And oh, yeah. That's, you, and that's that is that is my priority. Yeah. For sure. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. 
yeah. you, you see this a lot with people that you know that take a year and go to Europe and travel or whatever if they have that <laughs> that possibility. Uh, but you know, you do come back with a new perspective, right? And uh, and I didn't have that that privilege, uh, but I have lived in a couple of different countries, so I'm, I'm familiar mm-hmm. with the concept, and and I've always been curious. So it's it's good to kind of have a lot of perspectives and and see the world maybe a little more clearly. Uh, and, and dive past uh, some of the BS, because man, yeah. there is so much BS right now, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, there is. In in particular with, uh, well, you know, we're not going to talk about the the pandemic, but you know, there's that, and you have elections going on, and uh, all the stuff, and and people really uh, need something to hold on to and believe. And and one topic that I kind of threw at you was uh, talking a little bit about maybe the the idea of the Messiah complex, and and I don't know. You know, in your in your studies, if you've come upon something similar for like uh, a student or a, a disciple, is there like a disciple complex? Um, I'm not sure, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Like it feels like yeah. it feels like some some people are more prone to attach themselves to this kind of ideology than others. And and I'm not yeah. speaking like right or left, right or anything like that. I just mean yeah. like it, the need to find a savior. Uh, why? why that's so important and and you know you've studied religion so i'm curious kind of what what you've come upon i it's it's a really um it's a fascinating topic especially right now I, and i've actually found myself in the last couple of years thinking about this a lot more um in large part because you know i i think a lot about our current political situation um is is uniquely uh, kind of tethered to this and and um you know, I, I I don't think I'm alone. Uh, it, it seems that the the renewed interest in um, cult phenomenon and 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 con men in general, um, I, it seems that that sort of um, that sort of peaked in the last few years. Um, that I I know you, you talked in a previous show that you've watched the Heaven's Gate uh, yes. documentary on HBO. Yes. Uh, and there's that and the, and the Nexium one, which is also excellent on, on HBO um, recently. And then, you know, a few years ago, they did the the, uh, the, the Scientology expose. Right. Uh, which is also fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people, myself included, have, have reevaluated um, cults as, you know, less a sort of fringe uh, anomaly um, and, and more like, well, wait a second, like, <laughs> this seems to be a much bigger phenomenon than I let on, and 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 if you look at something like Jonestown or 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 Heaven's Gate or Waco, even as as a Waco's um, interesting, sort of a, it, it very very interesting. It's, yes. and, and if you look at it as as standalone things, as like you know freaks with 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 crazy beliefs who you know ended tragically. Um, yeah, of course, like you're just going to look at it as write it off as a, as a weird anomaly. But if you start to see a trend. Um, and I do think, you know, again, I, I know you don't like to get political on the show, and that's fine. Um, but I'm going to talk about this as matter of factly as I can. Sure. Um, I do think if you look at Trump, it, you know, that is sort of where people were like, well, w- wait a second, <laughs> because there appears to be millions of people who have a completely different perhaps distorted understanding of reality that's based entirely on what this person says. Sure. Um, and a lot of them, you know, not only do they not seem to be like the sort of people who would join cults or even recognize that they're in a cult, but, but it's not even religious. It's like, it's just this, it's this, it's this dude who's just saying things that for some reason, like makes these, like reaches some, some core uh, of these people where they cheer and they'll do whatever he says. And, and if he says the sky is gray, like they're going to believe him. Right. And, and it it doesn't matter. Uh, They're just going to believe him because, because they've convinced themselves that he's the only truth teller and that is that is that is a classic messianic complex right that that is that is the desire for someone to just tell you everything's going to be okay um Mm -hmm. and and i do think there's something incredibly primal and incredibly human about that um that has been underexplored um in in both uh sociology but also in i think um, the sociology of religion that, that I don't think there's been enough exploration of um, the, the idea of the desire for a Messiah um, beyond simply the, 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 the boundaries of um, a, a sort of theistic religious structure. Um, because you start to see it everywhere when, when you 
when you look right and it's it, yeah. it, it tells you something about who we really are well and and what i find most interesting is uh, you know nietzsche's got that whole the famous thing god is dead and then yeah. uh, jung came back and kind of said well nietzsche's not totally wrong but he's kind of wrong and uh <laughs> well you know the, Just, the, the thing yeah. is you know jung had a lot of mystical experiences right yeah and right. and in some respects he he was kind of schizophrenic for years uh while he was doing his work and but but out of it he was able to escape it right through his methodology and create something out of it uh, a method for understanding the way the mind works uh but during this time i mean he was basically a schizophrenic and and through his experiences he he realized okay well you know god's somewhere around here uh so you know but he's not totally dead but but it feels like even though you know the, the united states is is a really odd example of the way this kind of thing develops uh because yeah. you know the country's founded on this very puritan belief system and and we kind of get away from that for a while and you know out of all the developed countries the the united states is still the most religious right and, right. and not necessarily spiritual, just the most religious. And, and you know, if you look at Europe, I mean, Europe is mostly secular, right? Of course, there's still churches and, and things like that. But the the way that the society is run is mostly secular. Whereas yeah. here in the U.S., you still see a lot of kind of crossover between spirituality and, and politics and culture and society, et cetera. And, and that's kind of a weird place to be for, you know, a hyper – industrialized society mm. and and you're right i think that's something that we don't take into account because you know the as we industrialize more and we get to a place where we're kind of like post-industrialization right and you know now there's there's talk of this fourth industrial revolution all this stuff and and what that entails in terms of the use of technology but how does this kind of jive with people's minds because mm. oftentimes you know society sort of evolves much faster than our psychology does and right. and in many regards our psychology is still you know 2000 3000 years ago and and here we are you know with with helicopters and spaceships going to mars and and i think that's definitely something that needs to be explored a little bit more uh because then you get things like trumpism uh you know you have ufo cults that arise all the time and you know right. heaven's gate was kind of one of the first ones uh, but there's all sorts of UFO cults nowadays that, you know, few people talk about, uh, unless right. you're like in UFO Twitter, right? And uh, and that's something to think about, uh, just how how we have to find this Messiah figure in in the context that we live in, regardless of whether we are religious or not. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's it's worth going back to um, the the origins of the word that we use now of, of Messiah um, and, and understanding uh, the, the sort of genesis of messianic fever um, mm -hmm. of the uh, first and second century BC um, and, and what was happening with the, uh, the Judean culture, especially, uh, but then also the sort of branching off uh, Israelite mystic, uh, mystic culture and so on and so forth. Um, and what you basically had was starting from the the, the Babylonian exile, all the way through uh, the first century A.D. Um, what was it was a series of really volatile times uh, for for the culture that we now we now call the Jews, right? Right. Um, and there was a breaking point somewhere uh, in between the Seleucid Empire and the Roman Empire, um, where a bunch of uh, Jewish mystics were looking for um a, a new messiah and, and and the reasoning behind it was essentially that the the religious doctrine was not jiving with the um the, the facts on the ground and this is where i think i want to i'm just going to put a pin in that because this is where i think the <laughs> the current american situation is 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 relevant right so what you have is a group of people who are sitting around being like well first it's the Seleucids and then it's the romans and it's like we're just always being screwed and right. and where is this where is this promised greatness that that you know abraham was was promised and and i can't think of what we're doing wrong now right like the babylon exile was easy because they were like oh we've just been screwing up all this time that's why it's <laughs> happening but it's like what what now like what have we done wrong and so the the only feasible answer um was this idea of uh, apocalypticism which was that 
oh, what's happening is that this is the worst it's ever going to be. And God is setting up the pieces for a grand finale reveal, which is what apocalypse means, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that reveal will all center around this Messiah figure. Um, now, now, the word Messiah is, is kind of a mundane word within, within the Hebrew context. It just means anointed, right? And, and the first Messiah um, that we know about that's written about in, in the Bible is Joshua. Right. Um, and so and so Moses is appointed by God uh, to lead the Israelites. And then on his on his way out, uh, he anoints this guy, Joshua, um, whose, whose name is the very same as Jesus Christ. Right. It's Yeshua Messiah. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 100 percent. Yes. Thank you. So, so so there's this there's this corollary going on here. There's this sort of like weird sort of hippie, almost cult movement um uh going on of people being like where's the messiah where's this guy who's going to usher in the end of the world right and 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 so the messiah takes on a much bigger sort of capital t capital m um motif right in this in this in this period of time yeah um and and that's where it takes on its sort of new modern meaning right the the, the savior figure the person who's going to come in and be the the one who if not fixing all the problems is going to be the catalyst for all the problems being fixed um and, and since that moment right and there were a lot of claimers to the throne there were a lot of claimers to the messiah um and 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 jesus uh being one of them whether or not jesus was was a, was a real person is a different conversation but sure but but certainly the jesus clubs <laughs> the pre-christian jesus clubs <laughs> believed that this jesus figure whether he was in heaven or earth or whatever uh believed that this figure was was um the the person whose death and resurrection uh was the catalyst for everything's going to be okay now and what i think is really interesting is what i just said makes a lot of sense when we're talking about sort of working class uh middle america and trump right yeah that there's this like well i thought the american dream and if if we just gave all the money to the rich people and it was going to it was going to trickle down to us and and i was going to be able to afford a house every five years or whatever right like <laughs> this 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 promise of america isn't panning out and a lot of people were sitting around being like what did I do wrong? I played by the rules. What did I do wrong? Like, I can't figure out what I did wrong. And so in walks this guy who just breaks all the rules and says, Mexicans are rapists. And you're like, yeah, that's probably true, right? Um, it just defies all the cultural expectations. And in a lot of ways, um, if you take all the peace, love, and happiness of Jesus out of the Gospels and just look at Jesus as a figure who is just breaking all of society's rules and giving a middle finger to the establishment you you see it like this right. is why this this is why when people are like i don't understand why evangelicals love trump and i'm like i do yeah i for completely sure. understand like of course i understand why it, it 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 totally fits into the way that they've come to understand what christianity is and also what their place in the world is and 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 he is uh you know their new messiah which is interesting and terrifying and well, and, and, you know, the thing is, it's not even necessarily a, a matter of knowledge, right? Uh, you know, you, you could educate people on the, the meaning of symbols and, and kind of the, the origin of folklore and, and, those, and mythology and those kind of things mm -hmm. uh, in a way that would make sense. Uh, the, the problem is, you know, a lot of people would have issue with that kind of thing, right? And, uh, you know, you're an educator, so obviously I'm not knocking anything about you. Uh, but one thing that I've no seriously, one thing that I always felt <laughs> yeah. is, uh, you know, you and I see this with my own kids, you know, having like parent teacher conferences where where kids kids are taught skills that are necessary for when they get into the job force. Right. But oftentimes kids aren't taught uh, just like basic life skills. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Absolutely. how to do critical thinking. And and that's kind of left to the parents. But, you know, if the parents don't have the time to educate them on that, where are they going to get their education from? Right. They're going to go on YouTube, uh, maybe uh, join a UFO cult or, you know, some some other thing. Right. Where, yeah. where they can give people those answers. And and so I've always said, like, there should just be like, I don't know where you would fit it in. Right. Because it couldn't just be like a, a unit in a sociology class. Um, it would have to be like a recurring thing. 
where you're where you're taught basic life skills and not just like a cooking class. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Exactly, yeah. But like yeah. how to do critical thinking. Humanities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> where would you fit? Well, you can't fit into humanities. And look, I was an English major. Uh, they fit everything into humanities. Um, yeah. So you couldn't really do it there. Right. And and you couldn't do like a, a counseling class because people would you know, there's a stigma. Why am I going to a counseling class? Uh, so so that's kind of an issue. But but I've always felt like we, we need to have some of this education in school. Right. And just to make people like proper people. Mm-hmm. Right. So people don't feel so lost, especially nowadays when like everybody's truth is so different from everybody else's that nobody knows what to believe in anymore. So they just go and believe the craziest things and, and yeah, find I, no look, proof I, for it. I, I completely agree with you. I I. I would say, like, I know a lot of people, um, and I, I'm guilty of this myself sometimes, get, you know, very angry uh, at at <laughs> fascism, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I Like, my primary, my, my first response is actually... Um, First of all, it's pity, but, but but second of all, it's 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 anger not at them, um, but rather at the the system that made them. Um, that this doesn't work. Uh, you know, look at any any populist fascist over time, or any person deemed a messiah um, over time, whether that's you know um, Mussolini or or Hitler or Hugo Chavez or like whatever, sure. right? Any any cult of personality leader and pick a time in history. Um, the first requ- requirement is 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 to rob people of the ability to think critically, to 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 take away um, their access to critical information. Um, I worked at Fox for a while, and and so you know I I can I I know like I know how the machine <laughs> works. Right, like I've seen the inside working of of the media machine, and I know for a fact that like these people who believe this stuff, right? Not only do they believe it because, again, like they're looking for a messiah to tell them it's all going to be okay, but they also believe it because we have given them um, a culture. We have we have we have robbed them of a uh, education system that has was designed to make people into, um, you know, factory workers in the, in the Dutch revolution, we haven't updated it. And, and so we've created a system whereby facts are optional, whereby, you know, you can put someone on television who says, you know, on one side of the screen, here's a scientist who will tell you the signs of global warming. And here's another scientist who says it's not true and, and create this system whereby like every, any fact can be counter, you know, countered with another fact or, or just an opinion stated as fact, where you have this, this system where people cannot think critically because we have been robbing the education system of money for the last hundred years. And are we like, this is, this was engineered, Correct. right? All of those, all of those people, like all of those MAGA hat people, again, like, ultimately, I don't blame them. I, I do to some degree, but like, I'm I'm more angry at at a a country that has divested from uh, its its investment in the greater good and and in and public well being for a century um, and that's what makes me furious right and that's what makes me scared um, and and makes this sort of phenomenon um, again when I look at it in terms of the history of of religions and cults. Um, really, really freaks me out, right? And 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 that's why I am alone among my friends. I've been trying to tell them all about QAnon and why they should care about it, right? Oh, because sure. I'm like, I'm like, this this matters more than you think it does. For sure. And it sounds crazy, but like you need to take it seriously. No, no, no I, and I agree. And uh, you know, I I don't agree with a lot of things that Jordan Peterson believes in, for example. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but he's got a, a really great line. In that you you have to have a left and a right, right? Because Absolutely. you have one side that does the critical thinking, and then you have the other side that gets the work done. And right. and you can't like <laughs> you can't you can't dissimilate these two sides, right? And and for me, like that's that's a very Taoist idea, for example. And mm-hmm. and I, I love Eastern philosophies in particular. Um and and 
you know, in, in Taoist philosophy, you have this idea of, you know, you can't have the black without the white or the light without the darkness and things like that. And and this is how it works. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's all common sense, right? It, it might be veiled in metaphor and, and beautiful imagery and, uh, you know, airy fairy stuff and, and supernatural entity sometimes. But but ultimately, a lot of these things at their core, at the mystical core, uh, really are just truths about how to be a normal person, how to be yeah. a human being, right? And and that's to care for each other and to listen to other people's opinions, not get angry, have actual discussions, and learn to work together. And and you know you're right. The the fact that our educational system has been so terrible for so long and so disregarded uh, is is insane. And that's the reason why we get to the place where we're in. And and what worries me is, is not so much the fact that these ideologies arise because they always arise right that's that's inherently in human nature but but the fact that they're getting to a place where it's becoming dangerous for society as a whole right yeah and i think yeah. that's what's most important uh and and we're not fixing it right so they just they were about to pass this covid veil for example and uh, and there's you know hundreds of billions of dollars going overseas well <laughs> You know why, right? It, it's a COVID yeah. bill for for people to get paychecks and whatever other stuff. Uh, you know, there's there's a hundred million dollars in there for furniture for the Senate. Like why, right? That's not a COVID bill. Uh, there's uh, yeah. I think there was like ten billion dollars for Tibet and and like a clause for recognizing the Dalai Lama as uh, like the head of Buddhism. Like why? Well, that's, that's not. A, that's I mean yes, of course it's great. <laughs> but that's not a Kobe bill, right? No, that's that's yeah, not yeah, what yeah. you're signing up to do. Right. And and you see this kind of spread throughout. And and you know, I don't agree with Trumpists, but but they do have a point in this regard, right? Where we are so focused on everybody else that internally we're just falling apart. And and so people yeah. try to gravitate to that Messiah that will help them from falling apart. Uh, my only concern is when it's kind of dangerous. No, I, I, I completely agree. I, so what, what I would also say is that the, the, the ability to have those critical thinking skills and frankly to have the time to develop them because the other thing that we don't talk about enough is that a lot of these people work you know, four or five of the jobs that Trump created yeah, sure, sure. to get by. And so they don't have time to read books. They don't have time to like, you know what I mean? Like this is, they are, they are literally working their asses off just to get by and they might have time to go to a Trump rally. And that's like the one thing they do, every, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so, so if we're not prioritizing um, people, you know, developing as human beings, then then of course this is the world we're going to wind up with. And and to not be able to, you know, when you say we're sending this money to this country and why, right? I, I do think there is national self-interest reasons to send money to other countries sometimes. 100%. But, 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 we need, but we need to be able to explain why and, 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 and to live in a world where like that makes sense, right? Where um, the idea of caring about American citizens first also involves, um, you know, doing certain things in other countries, right? Within, <laughs> yes. with, within reason, <laughs> namely of a humanitarian uh, uh, bent, not a, not a militaristic one. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, it, to me, like, it all it all sort of starts with 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 compassion right and and again like you know i have a lot of a lot of my friends are you know we're all sort of of the same political persuasion and and you know we all think the same stuff about, about trumpism and yeah and and you know and i know that that intellectually they also are 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 able to understand that in a lot of ways like these people are also victims of of, of the system mm -hmm. um but you know lose sight of that and understandably because it's incredibly frustrating uh and and and, and you want to you want to vent but the thing is right in, in a similar in a similar vein you know i look at the 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 you know the dead bodies in in um the heaven's gate cult like lying under those tarps, right, with with the sneakers sticking out, and 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 I think the same thing. I'm not not angry that you believe something that's clearly nonsensical. Um, I'm angry that that you know we have allowed this to happen, and 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 
that the uh, the DNA of the Heaven's Gate cult, if you look at where it came from, if you look at the time period, like what was popular at the time, and the sort of like, you know, premillennialism and 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 uh, you know, ancient aliens phenomenon sort of merging into one thing, like it made a lot of sense mm -hmm. to a lot of people um, because that really was their worldview, and and it, it makes me sad and angry at the same time, but. Also, you know, I, I, I need to remind all of my all of my liberal friends that but for the grace of God, you know, that only a few things had to change in your life to put you in one of those rallies, like mm -hmm. to put you in a MAGA hat. It, it wouldn't take very much. And at the end of the day, you know, you need to recognize like what those things are and how maybe you can offer them to others. And, and, and when I talk about Scientology to my students, for instance, and I love talking about Scientology to my students because I'm <laughs> obsessed with Scientology. Um, one of the things I say to them, like is, is in a lot of my classes is um, if you remember nothing else about this class, if you remember nothing else I ever taught you, right? Remember this, if you're walking down the street and someone offers you a free stress test, <laughs> turn and run the other way as fast uh -huh. as you can right uh -huh. like that because you will fall for it because everybody does right like it's 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 not you're not as smart as you think you are um and and you know the 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 we'd like to think that we're able to um overcome our emotional vulnerabilities through our intellect but we're not um and and that's that's reality yeah that uh, that's funny that you mentioned the uh stress test because uh it reminded me of my run-ins with the Hare krishnas in new york yes uh yes. you know they they always have like a young guy right looks very innocent mm -hmm. and and he's he's just got books right and uh and he looks kind of somewhat recognizably as maybe a buddhist monk of sorts uh, yeah. or, or a similar tradition. And you're like, yeah, the Buddhists are like super peaceful and great. And uh, let me see what this guy's got to say. And yeah. But that's that's always the, the tactic, right? If you go back, I mean, really throughout the, the history of modern cults, uh, but you really start seeing this ramping up in the 50s and 60s, that's always the, the entry point into the cult, right? It's like, oh, um, you need to learn to quit smoking. Uh, who was it that did that? Uh, the quit, oh, the um, Anhill Kids in, in, in Canada. Uh, they they started as like a quit smoking like twelve step program, for from the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Right. And right. Uh, and so that was the way in, right? You right. want to quit smoking? Come take our seminar. And right. then you know people start coming in, and the guy already has this sort of messiah complex to begin with, kind of a you know, very narcissistic, and and naturally he begins to turn this into something else. And and obviously takes it very far away from from where it started, even from Seventh Day Adventist beliefs. And uh, you know the, the Seventh Day Adventists are kind of a, a discussion on their own anyway. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're very interesting, right? They are. And yeah, and I, yeah. I would say a lot of similar movements, right? Like the the Pentecostals, for example, uh, are are really interesting. And that's kind of where you get figures like Jim Jones coming out of Pentecostal traditions. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's always the entryway, and and you see that in the Heaven's Gate cult too, right? It's like, hey, let's uh let's do this seminar for you know twenty people, uh, so they can ask us about aliens, because yeah. I mean everyone wants to hear about aliens, right? Whether you believe in them or not, you're like, yeah, this could be cool, you know, whatever, yeah. a few minutes, yeah, and yeah. and there you go, and and you know one thing I really liked about the documentary that you don't see in a lot of other similar documentaries in, talking about cults is the the personal aspect that was in there. And and it's so obvious that like all these people were super smart, right? Like these weren't educated, like lower class, like coal miner type people, right? They were mostly college educated. Uh, I mean, yes, there were some kids that you know they joined as kids, uh, but a lot of these people were college educated. They had careers, and mm -hmm. uh, and and so it's not a matter of of being smart or well educated. It's right. it it goes much deeper than that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those things where um, you need to really understand how much of what you think is um, the result of sort of your your just absorption of, of culture around you, right? And I think one of the ways that, again, when you look at the Heaven's Gate cult, like now, because when that all sort of came to a head was the, was the mid-90s, mm -hmm. and at that point, right, UFOs were all just like X-Files. Like it was like the 90s were super into UFOs, but as a sort of like 
cool fringe, you know, um, uh, Albert Bell, coast to coast radio, yeah. right? Sort of it, like, but it wasn't like a religion culty thing. And so people were like, oh, that's weird. They all believed UFOs are going to take them up into space and, and uh, they killed themselves for it. But it's like, well, yeah, but this thing didn't start in the 90s, right? It started at a time when you know the the hippie movement had kind of fizzled out that there was a lot of pessimism um and like there was a growing interest in 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 ufos and like a lot of the roswell stuff was made sort of public at that point mm -hmm. and 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 so it was like oh so you know we're in this weird technological place and like maybe there's aliens and like also Christian apocalypticism had had resurged because a lot of the hippies became fundamentalist Christians. And yeah, it's like that's crazy. You you put that in a blender and yeah. you're like, oh, of course, of course, this makes sense to people because this is just the next phase of what their sort of cultural experience has been, right? right. Coming into its into in, in, into fruition, and you know, I think that's a really important thing to understand. Again, it's one of those things where it's like with my with, with my friends again talking about Trump I'm like yeah but look and I'm not excusing their behavior and like yes when someone is explicitly racist and carrying like you know a Nazi flag and like you're on their team you should think about what you're doing right <laughs> but at the same time you do have to understand the 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 reason why there's so much loyalty to this guy and 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 that it's not really about him and it's not really about politics and right. it's not really about policy right it's it's there's something far more right like primal and and urgent about it and uh you know that's a really it's a hard thing to articulate to people um but you know i think people well, like ourselves, who are like interested in, in this sort of sphere, um, I, I do think it's incumbent upon us to to have those conversations. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and you know, the the one thing that I always say to to people on either side is, you know, don't just completely disregard the other opinion, right? Yeah. And and you see this a lot, uh, particularly in in the mainstream. Uh, you know, YouTube is is constantly banning people nowadays, for example. And and I'm not saying that what they're saying is correct. Um, and and I hate the, the the argument of First Amendment rights, right? Because it, <laughs> right. like you can right, take yes. that really far, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. but there is a very thin line that you can tow, and and I think again maybe it goes back to this idea of just teaching basic skills on how to be a a normal thinking person, right? To to allow yourself to feel and allow yourself to think. Um, but you know, if you if you start deplatforming people and and kicking them off of social media and you know whatever else, they they just go and create their own platforms, right? Because the technology is already available now; anybody can do it. And and the problem you create there is echo chambers, right? Because now the people on one side feel like, okay, well, this person's not on YouTube anymore; like the world's a better place, right? Now my kids can watch YouTube again. And and meanwhile, you have like no tube over here on this side right where it's just everybody that has alternative beliefs to the the mainstream and and that's very very dangerous because that's really when you can get into hardcore fundamentalist cult mentality um, because there's nothing to resound off of right everybody right. in your circle believes exactly what you believe in and right. and again this is not like bad or wrong right we, you know you mentioned your circle of friends have similar ideas and belief systems. Of course, like that's that's the way it works, right? If if you don't like somebody, you're not going to be friends with them. Yeah, um, right. But but they're in a society, in a civil society, we have to be able to balance these two things out. And and I don't think deplatforming and banning anybody is is the correct option. Um, what the correct option is, I don't know. Because if I did, I would announce to the world and be a multi-billionaire, right? Because nobody has figured it out. Uh, but but I think we, we always have to kind of keep that in mind, right? Again, I'm very Eastern influenced, so I'm always about, you know, finding the center and kind of working between the yin and yang. But, uh, you know, that's – most people don't have time to think about those kind of things, right? They're just trying yeah. to earn a paycheck. Yeah. And and we make it very hard for their paycheck to go anywhere, um, and so that's part of the problem, right? Yeah. I, I I do think like one of the things that I I love about your show is is you know and as as I've listened to a whole bunch of back episodes is is um, 
I, I think you and I both uh, kind of, you know, come from the perspective that um, every problem is the same problem and, yes. and like, right. Um, and, 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 and so you can then ex explore any of those threads and you will discover, right. The whole, the whole, um, the whole tapestry and, 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 you know, to get back to sort of where we started here, um, that's ultimately like why I decided to study religion. I, I'm not personally all that religious. And it, like, I almost don't even have time to be religious because I'm so, <laughs> I'm so busy, right? Like teaching and learning about, about the history of religion that, that doing the religion part of it is almost like, I, I don't, I can't fit that in. Sure. Um, but, you know, to me, like th there's a couple of things that sort of triggered Right, that 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 exploration, and and one of them was, you know, I grew up in a uh, an Episcopalian family, and and you know, we went to church on Sundays, whatever, until we just the kids decided we didn't want to do it anymore. And <laughs> it was a very typical like 1980s right uh, uh, religious upbringing, and and um, I I do remember like this one time being in church and being incredibly bored, and then being like, but if God made me. <laughs> I'm bored in church. Then didn't God make me like to be bored in church? Right. That seems weird and 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 contradictory. And like that one little like nugget, it, I followed that for years. I, I needed to answer that question, right? I needed to understand like why do people believe in this God character? And like, do we have any evidence for it? And like, maybe we do, maybe we don't. And um and and I realized that that's how I connect with people is, is, is that's what I find most interesting about them is, is their degree of religiosity or lack thereof and, and, and how they express, right. That their, their sort of core self, um, which again is, is, is kind of what I try to get at in my, in my podcast and, and, and the people that I want to talk to and, and, and so on. Um, anyway, I, 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 I need to tell you this story very quickly. <laughs> okay. Um, because you mentioned the Hare Krishnas earlier. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I, I went through, again, I, I read um, Houston Smith in, in high school. And, um, and then I had a professor in college who I took a bunch of classes with who also had a, a, a big sort of Alan Watts vibe and, um, you know, a sort of hippie, hippie dude with the white sort of uh, um, salt and pepper beard and so forth. And anyway, and he was big into Buddhism and I took a bunch of Buddhist classes with him. and. Um, so I, 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 I was studying a lot of um, Hinduism uh, between high school and college and in college as well. And, and, you know, I knew enough about sort of the Hare Krishna movement and cults in general um, that I could approach a Hare Krishna without succumbing, right? Like, yes, yes, so, yes. So, so, so I saw one in an airport who is exactly as you describe, right? Uh, the sort of people they put out there to like give out the literature. But the coolest thing is that I was able to walk away from that with a free copy of an interactive Bhagavad Gita CD-ROM, which was just like the greatest. That's impressive. Um, it was super cool. And I was like, I'm not gonna join your cult because I know like, I already know. So like, you're not gonna get me. But, like. <laughs> I'm very appreciative of your of your Bhagavad Gita CD ROM. Um, yeah, that was that was the coolest thing. But yeah, it, you know, the other one was I I worked in um, I worked in Manhattan for a long time, and and I used to transfer um, at rush hour every morning at the uh, Times Square right uh, subway stop. But which, if anybody doesn't know, New York is the most stressful place on earth at it the is. most stressful time yes. on earth right and that's where the scientologists camp and that's where <laughs> they have their little table <laughs> where they offer free stress tests and i've i was always like i'm kind of tempted just to like see if i can outsmart them right like i'm kind of tempted to say yes and just see if i can like but i was like i know like i'm not gonna give in like i, I can't I can't test my own ability to, to stay away from uh, from Scientology, but I, I always admired their moxie, right? I'm like, that's that's good. If you're going to offer free stress tests, that's the place and time to do it. For sure. Like 7.30 a.m. on a Tuesday in Times Square, transferring between the one, you know, the, the, the one nine and the, and the NQR, like that's, that's, that's where you go. Uh, so, so, so good on you. So very sophisticated cult. Uh, they are, they are fine tuned that thing to a, um, a heck of an instrument, but they, anyway, they, they um, certainly have, you know, we, we, uh, <laughs> we should, we should do an episode. Are, are you planning on doing an episode of Scientology for your show? 
I actually did one. Um, I interviewed. I'm going to do another one. Did you? Um, How did I miss yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but uh, I interviewed um, uh, Tony Ortega, who who um, has been covering Scientology for for decades. He used to write for the Village Voice, um, but he was one of the first to really sort of uh, jump on the this is something worth writing about and exposing bandwagon. Um, ah. <laughs> and so he's. He's been a thorn in their side for decades, and and he has a um, a website called the Underground Bunker where he just exposes Scientology all the time, and they they constantly are after him, and uh, is is a really interesting guy. But he's the one who actually um, who brought down, well, effectively brought down Danny Masterson. Um, so so he kind of exposed uh, the the way that Scientology had covered up um, the, the various uh, rape accusations against Masterson. Um, and so that sort of put him really heavily on their radar in the last couple of years. Interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy. So that was, I think, probably my fifth or sixth episode. It's pretty early on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm not there yet because I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got up to the Cathars episode. Um, oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, Gnosticism holds a special place in my heart. Uh, you know, growing up as a Christian and then being introduced to Eastern philosophy, uh, the two meshed into a thing that really feels a lot like Gnosticism to me. Yeah. Uh, so, so I appreciated that episode. So yeah, it's cool. like right a few episodes past that, and uh, and then I listened to the uh, the late the latest couple one, the Christmas one I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I did too. That was yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually I love those things. I uh, we're recording this before Christmas. But I, I just yeah. did an episode on Christmas um, because, uh, you know, one thing that I notice around this time of year is that everyone starts talking about, like, the pagan origins of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that, that is true. There are pagan origins to a lot of the rituals. Yeah. Uh, but, but Christmas itself is, like, a very Christian tradition, right? And, uh, and so I wanted to do something kind of towing the line between the two. And, yeah. uh, you know, I talked a little bit about Pope Julius and all that stuff. So that, that was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's, it's one of the least important Christian holidays, right? Um, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> right. But, but as, because it really was essentially, um, added to the calendar. It's like a, you know, who sucks the Gnostics, right? Um, <laughs> Chris, Jesus was born and therefore a human. Uh, uh, so let's, let's celebrate that. But yeah, Right. I, I think what people get confused about is they have the sense that everything that we do at Christmas uh, existed in Saturnalia and, and right. Juvenalia and, yeah. and, you know, the, 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 the festival of, of uh, Sol Invictus, Sol Invictus. And, and Yule and all of that sort of thing. It's like, well, not exactly. Right. Like all that the, the midwinter festival existed. Christianity was like, we should do that, too. Let, let's let's add our own thing like we'll, we'll we'll place a holiday there we'll we'll have our own rituals and and it's part of a of a great melting pot that is this um sort of fantastic cultural invention right that, yeah, that ended yeah. up being christmas um but no i completely agree with you and i i think that that's um the, the idea the the narrative that every christian holiday is just like some stampeding herd that is destroying a pre-existing <laughs> pagan holiday and replacing it with Jesus is wrong. It's wrong. Correct. Uh, and, and, but it, but, but let's have that conversation because there's, there's a lot more to it than just, Oh, we decided that December 25th was going to be a day that we celebrate. And it's like, did you? Cause you know, <laughs> it seems like a lot of people have been celebrating stuff and like giving each other presents and eating tons of food and getting wasted uh, over this time of year. <laughs> for a long time that's so, true so, well you know the, the um, thing is uh you know belief systems evolve you know so quickly and, and all the time and uh and, and human lifespans are so short right so even something from a hundred years ago you'd have no idea and yeah. uh you know i i remember you guys i think it might have been on your first episode actually uh were kind of briefly talking about fundamentalism yeah. and uh you know uh, this this whole idea of taking the bible literally as you know everything being 100 percent true to the word is uh is, is so recent right yeah and yeah, uh you know yeah. within 150 years and then like really cemented after the um uh, what was the the evolution the the monkey scopes trial right, right. uh that's yes. like when it really became cemented because yes. you had a lot of uh th- this revivalist movement 
uh, going around and and they became very fundamentalist and and through that push uh, kind of got what became you know like Tevil Evangelist for example um, but but this this very literal interpretation of things so yeah yeah and it's you know it's funny uh, sort of getting back to again um, where we where we started uh, here is is that a lot of that like the the, the fundamentalist um, drive whether it's in Islam or Judaism or Christianity or wherever it is. Um, is still also kind of part of that messianic drive. It's that idea of, I just want someone to tell me it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And if if I just believe that every word of this is true and every uh, piece of um, counterfactual evidence is is not, I feel better because like I don't ever have to worry about anything coming in and destroying this little bubble I've created. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, like fundamentalism is turning the Bible into the Messiah, right? And, and like... Mm-hmm. It's, it's that same instinct, it's that same impulse, um, except you're just doing it for this book, right? And, 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 and wrapping yourself up in it and clinging to it and never letting go. Yeah, I did, uh, I did this series on epistemology kind of concurrent with uh, the episodes I did on Gnosticism. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that's in there is kind of the, the really interesting psychology of this, uh, this, this looking to a savior. Uh, we're going to coin the word, okay? We're going to call it disciple complex. I've already decided. Yeah, and like uh, trademark uh, John and I 2020. Okay. So, uh, but uh, but the psychology behind it, right? Because uh, people don't want to feel responsible for their crappy lot in life, right? And so if you find a savior and it doesn't go right, right? Like the, you know, Jesus never comes or the the, the aliens never come and take you or uh, you know you send them a five thousand dollar check and you know you don't win the lottery the next day. Um, if that goes wrong, it's not your fault. It's it's this person's fault, right? Um, until you know they they learn how to play around with that, and this is especially true for things like televangelists, uh, where they all right send me your two thousand dollar check and uh, you know whatever your your grandma will be healed. You send a two thousand dollar check, grandma's not healed. And you say, well, preacher, grandma's not healed. I sent you this money. And the preacher says, well, it's because you didn't believe hard enough. So right. now you get to send $5,000, right? Right, right. And, and so ultimately, like, you, you're stuck in this psychology of what if, what if, what if, uh, just because you don't want to feel bad about yourself. Right, yeah. And, and that's why I like things like Buddhism, right? Because <laughs> they – Listen, there's there's a lot of dogma in that as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure, one hundred percent. And and I'm not talking about Hari Krishnas or anything like that. Uh, but yeah. but just within traditional Buddhism, there's a lot of dogma, and and it's funny because you know, like Buddha says, <laughs> like the same thing that Jesus said, right? Like I, I'm not like somebody special. Like I'm I'm here to just teach you, right? You and I are the same. And um, but but there is dogma. But but one thing that's kind of inherent to that is the the understanding of the way the mind works right again in a more mystical kind of uh allegorical metaphorical sense um but you know a lot of people talk about buddhism being kind of a a very early uh way of doing psychology right and Mm -hmm. and that is very true Mm -hmm. uh you just kind of have to get past the literal interpretation uh and and see what's at the core of the message yeah. Uh, that's probably why I love Young so much, to be honest with you. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. You want to wrap it up? Sure. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. It's been great, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so, John can be found again at the Hard to Believe uh, podcast, a podcast about belief on, wait, on the Cage Network. Is that right? Cage Club Network. Cage Club yes. Network. Yes. Man, listen, uh, I, was, I, I listened to your first episode. Uh, and yeah. I was, I was, cra- I was like, why is it called the Cage Club Network? And yes. then you guys went into it, and I was laughing hysterically. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a thing that sort of spiraled out of control uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> with a very bad idea that turned into an uh, amazingly long <laughs> podcast about Nicolas Cage, um, <laughs> and then spawned, spawned a bunch of other things. Um, yeah, I'm on Spotify and uh, Stitcher and iTunes and all those things. Uh, just, just. Uh, search hard to believe um i'm on i'm on twitter at uh probably real jb um and uh you can you can check out all of season one on my own website which is uh hard to believe.me 
uh, and there's a little tab there for season one and you can just listen to whatever you want and we'll be back in uh probably march or april sometime so very cool i want to thank john again for joining me in the show it was a treat having this kind of discussion not something that i usually do on the show but i felt it was worth talking about if you want to get in touch with me of course you can find me on twitter at mind alchemical you can email the show martin at the alchemical mind and of course check out the website for the links to all the great things including the discord the patreon and more i want to thank you all for listening and a happy 2021 as this is our first episode of the year as always remember that you are it Thank you.